Hey, Crime Salad listeners, welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad. I'm Ashley. And I'm Ricky. Before we jump in, we have two lovely patrons that we would love to shout out. We have Dawn and Liz. Thank you guys so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Also, I'm not trying to talk sexy. I just have a cold. Is that what you think you sound like? I, I don't know. Maybe like a jazz radio, like deep voice. Like you've been smoking a bunch of cigarettes? Yeah, like just chewing on cigars all day. Well, don't give me your cold. I think you gave me your cold. No, you gave me your cold. Hmm. Maybe I did, but I'm over mine. That's because I take my vitamins. I take my vitamins ritual. All right, well, let's jump into this week's episode. Let's do it. Tawny Baird was a natural-born leader with an engaging, bright smile. She was happy, funny, extroverted, and naturally the center of attention. She had many friends who were all drawn to her kindness and beauty and thought of her as a very loyal person. The person who would light up a room? That was Tawny. At just 17 years old, she had the world at her feet. She had amazing friends and a wonderful, loving, supporting family that would support her no matter what. However, after falling in love with a girl who became very possessive of Tawny, all of these wonderful things were taken from her when she was led to a senseless death circling around jealousy and rage. Before we get any further, we have to get to the night that changed her trajectory from a life filled with promise to a fateful day with death. So it all began with a day of fun with some older friends. And as we said, Tawny was like a flame that attracted others with her eternal light. She had an ethereal singing voice and plans to study music. Her ultimate dreams would land her in California as an actress and musician. Those plans were shattered when Tawny and her friends were pulled over by the Utah State Police. The police officer smelled the pungent odor of marijuana, which led to a search of their car. When drugs and drug paraphernalia were found, Tawny didn't hesitate to take full responsibility. She immediately told police everything belonged to her. She knew that her friends would go to prison for possession of drugs since they were all legal adults. Tawny believed the consequences for her would be inconsequential since she was a minor. But she couldn't have been more wrong. That one unselfish act would change everything for Tawny. In the conservative state of Utah, Tawny was charged as a minor with a Class B misdemeanor possession of a controlled substance. Tawny was immediately placed into foster care with her aunt and her family hired an attorney who advocated very hard on Tawny's behalf. Despite their push for outpatient treatment and community service, the prosecutor wouldn't agree to anything less than 90 days of inpatient care. Except it was less of an inpatient rehab environment and more of a juvenile detention center. So once Tawny arrived at the Salt Lake Valley Detention Center, she was terrified. Most of the other residents that were there were there for hardcore drugs like heroin. Some were members of gangs or had robbed or injured people. Many were repeated offenders. And Tawny was there for possession of marijuana. 
When Tawny's mother, Dana Gunn, would visit her daughter, she was very worried about Tawny's state of mind. Tawny would cry and beg to her mom to get her out of that place. And then, a few weeks into Dana's visits, something had drastically changed. Tawny was no longer terrified and miserable. She had made a friend. Actually, she had made more than a friend. Tawny, who had always dated boys in the past, came out to her mother during their visit. She had told her mom that she was gay and that she was in love with a girl named Victoria Mendoza. Dana was so relieved that her daughter was happy and had a friend to look out for her. Victoria, or Vicky as she was known by friends, was immediately taken by the blonde-haired and blue-eyed Tawny. It was a visceral mutual attraction, and the two were inseparable. However, they couldn't have been more opposite in personality or background. Tawny came from a middle-class suburban family in the city of Holiday, right outside of Salt Lake City. Her parents had divorced young, yet they remained a close-knit family unit. In stark contrast, Victoria grew up in poverty in an environment of drugs and gangs. From an early age, Victoria had a history of violent and criminal behavior. So while Tawny had family and friends supporting her, Vicky had no one but Tawny. At just 10 years old, Vicky's father committed suicide, leaving her to be raised by her single mother. This is when Vicky began acting out. She wouldn't attend school, began her lifelong fixation with carrying a knife, and fought anyone with the slightest provocation. When Vicky became a teenager, she began her pattern of going in and out of the juvenile detention center. As a teenager, she had over a dozen bench warrants and contempt of court charges filed against her for non-compliance of her terms of probation. To add to the tragedy of Vicky's life, her mother was very sick. In fact, it was while they were both in the detention center that Vicky learned her mother had breast cancer with a grim prognosis. This further solidified the emotional bond between the two. So it was now August of 2010, and Tawny was finally released and on her way back to her family. But before she left the detention center, the two had an emotional parting where they each exchanged letters. In Tawny's letter, she told Vicky not to worry while they were apart. She promised that she would be there for her when she got out of the facility a few months later. She told Vicky she had never loved like that before and she had nothing to worry about. Then she described all of the things that she loved about Vicky, from her wild long hair to the way that she kissed her and the feel of her touch. It was a sentimental letter filled with flowery language and reassurances of a lifetime together. Vicky's letter couldn't have been more different. Her letter was short and ominous. She told Tawny she loved her and she better not cheat on her or get with anyone else or she would have to kill her. Once Vicky was released, Tawny was true to her word. Tawny's dad, Casey Baird, came with her that day to pick Vicky up from the detention center. He immediately thought that they were an odd pairing and worried for his daughter. 
Upon presentation, Vicky was small in stature. However, she had a rough exterior. She was also covered in tattoos, including some on her neck. Neck tattoos weren't something you saw every day in 2010, and especially not in Utah. Casey did, however, notice their very close bond. There was no denying the two were inseparable and couldn't get enough of each other. The two also had shared interest in creating music. Vicky liked to write lyrics, and Tawny loved to be the center of attention and sing them. She also liked to dress them both up in outrageous outfits and post them immediately to social media. In fact, from their social media alone, you could tell that they were madly in love and infatuated with each other. You also might think that they were effortlessly happy, but there was a darker side to their relationship that wasn't depicted in their social media feed. With Tawny's natural and stunning beauty, she became an obsession for Vicky. Vicky had already been repeatedly incarcerated for antisocial behavior, according to her criminal record. The signs of an antisocial personality disorder include showing no regard for right or wrong and ignoring the feelings of others. People who suffer from this mental disorder tend to manipulate others, show callous indifference, and show no guilt or remorse for their behavior. Their apologies are usually hollow and superficial and only made to gain back power or control over someone or a situation. Some people who suffer from this condition have been known to violate the law, exhibit criminal behavior, and can behave violently and impulsively. Due to their behavior, they usually can't complete goals relating to family, work, or school. And in addition to notes in her juvenile detention file about her antisocial behavior, people around Vicky agreed her past behavior was consistent with this type of sociopathy. Whether true or not, her actions certainly matched the definition. She was prone to violence and rage, which was often steeped in fear and jealousy. Despite Tawny's loyalty and devotion, Vicky would often accuse Tawny of cheating on her. She demanded they share a Facebook account and would constantly check Tawny's phone and social media for evidence of betrayal. Vicky's biggest fear was that Tawny, who had never dated a woman before, would go back to dating men. Any friendly encounter or exchange of eye contact would be enough to set Vicky off into a binding rage. At first, Vicky used yelling and screaming to control Tawny's social circle. When that wasn't enough, she began physically assaulting Tawny. Now, it was just two years into their relationship, and Vicky's mother had died of cancer, and she truly had no one in the world on her side. That is when Tawny's mom allowed her to move in with them and made her a part of the family. Later, Tawny's mother would say that she began to think of Vicky as another daughter, and Vicky even began calling her mom. At first, things went well, and the entire family rallied around Vicky and her success. Quickly, the two began bickering to the point of changing the atmosphere in the house. Dana believed that Vicky was obsessed with her daughter and thought that they spent too much time together. Tawny began taking classes at Salt Lake City College and got a job as an assistant accountant. 
Dana thought if Vicky got a job, it would lessen the fighting between the two of them and give Vicky something else to focus on. Even Tawny's grandmother wanted to help the couple succeed. She even paid to have some of Vicky's tattoos removed to increase her chances at employment. Eventually, Dana was able to get Vicky a job as a security guard and even bought a uniform for her. Yet the fighting never ended. And it was often over Tawny's dating history prior to meeting Victoria. Victoria was fixated with any boys that Tawny may have dated or maybe had a sexual relationship with. She consistently accused Tawny of cheating on her. These accusations would lead to physical altercations where Vicky would physically attack Tawny, slapping, pushing, and kicking her until she gave Vicky the answers she demanded. Despite living in the Gunn household, they were able to keep this violence hidden from Tawny's family. Tawny's family never suspected their fights had escalated into physical violence. Eventually, their mutual toxicity was getting harder and harder to hide from Dana Gunn. That is until one violent fight that led to Vicky punching Tawny in the mouth. Tawny received an innocent text from a male friend, and Vicky immediately demanded to see the phone. Well, all of a sudden, she began punching Tawny in the face and mouth, knocking out her front tooth. Dana immediately knew what had happened and threatened to call the police on Victoria. Tawny begged her not to do this because it would then mean that Victoria would be charged as an adult, and with her record, it would also likely mean prison time. Tawny continually put Vicky's well-being above her own. Their toxic codependency was becoming dangerous. Against her better judgment, Dana agreed not to call the police. Tawny repeatedly had to lie to protect Vicky. And the two explained the missing tooth with a long and detailed story about getting jumped by a gang in Ogden. Many friends, knowing their history, rightfully guessed that Vicky was responsible. Dana thought it was time for the relationship to end for good. However, Tawny couldn't be convinced to leave. Not even after losing a tooth to Vicky's explosive rage. Tawny couldn't admit even to herself that Vicky was becoming exceedingly dangerous. Hi, this is Daniel Roof, the Real GM Radio Podcast. It's a Texas showdown. The postseason and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering information, up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series and through the World Series. Don't forget, Bet Online is where you have the latest game odds, present totals for the NFL and college football, plus real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. Serious up betting on football. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Partners are repeatedly accuse the other of cheating without evidence or cause often do it to make the other person more controllable. By constantly accusing a partner, the other person has to be on the defensive, needing to disprove something that isn't happening. They might do this by allowing themselves to be tracked via a phone app or sharing social media accounts, handing over passwords and always explaining where they've been and what they have spent. Others may self-isolate and therefore isolate themselves with their abuser to avoid any accusations. Another reason a partner might accuse the other of cheating is called guilt transference. 
It's when the accusing party is the one who is constantly cheating. And by being the accuser, you deflect the same type of scrutiny. It's also a tactic that is often employed by sociopaths. Now, we don't have a diagnosis for Vicky, other than according to her juvie record, she exhibited repeated antisocial behavior. However, those exhibiting some of the traits of a sociopath usually have very little regard for the other person's emotions, rights, or experiences. They think nothing of lying and cheating themselves. So it was no surprise when Vicky cheated on Tawny with one of her close friends. She shoved it in her face as a repercussion for Tawny's phantom cheating. Only this time, Vicky miscalculated. She wasn't counting on Tawny having enough self-esteem to end things between them. Once the relationship did end, Tawny's family and friends were very relieved. They knew the relationship wasn't healthy and were glad to see signs of the old, bright, and bubbly Tawny back. She was no longer isolating and now spending time with her family and friends again. But Vicky wasn't done with her. She repeatedly contacted Tawny, but couldn't get her to respond. To get Tawny's attention, she posted a public apology on YouTube entitled, I'm Sorry Tawny Baird. First I want to say is I'm sorry for hurting you and cheating on you with your best friend. And your best friend is a slut and I don't like her. She's gross and I can give a fuck less. Alright? So, I'm, this video is like an apology to you. And the girl I'm talking about is Tawny and I'm trying to get her back to be with me so I can keep her again and for her to give me another chance because I'm in love with her and I love her and I want her back and I'll do anything I have to do to show her that I can be a better girlfriend. It's very telling in that clip that Vicky says she wants to get Tawny back and keep her, as if she were a possession. She also belittles the other person and calls her a slut, as if her actions happened in a vacuum. As if Vicky bore no responsibility for the cheating. She just continued to treat Tawny like a shiny object that had value only by owning her. As the video continued, she made her desire for ownership clear. I don't want to lose you at all. Like, I really, really, really do love you and I'm really sorry for everything I did. And I'm just wanting to have you back in my arms again and treat you better than I ever treated any other girl before. Sure in the hell I'm, don't give a fuck what anyone says about this video. You guys can fuck off and go suck a dick. Because I want to be with somebody and I'm going to do everything in my power to get her back. Instead of letting her walk free and letting her go to somebody else. That's not what I want. I want her with me. So I'm going to do everything I have to do in my power. But until then, I'm not single. I'm waiting for somebody. Actually. But, see, you made me this letter. And you made me this one. See, all of our pictures because we love each other. When you didn't make that for nothing, just because you're bored, you made it for a reason. And I want you back a lot. And I miss you a lot. And I just want to ask you if you'll be my girlfriend again. And I love you so much. And you tell me you love me more than the stars times 93. Well, I love you more than the planets and the stars around the world, around Mars, around Pluto, 
back to Mars, back to the Earth, back to the moon, of times 195. I love you. So if you'll please be my girlfriend, I'll be really happy. Okay? The sole purpose of the public apology was to manipulate Tawny into taking her back. It wasn't because she felt responsible or she was even sorry. She smiled and smirked throughout the video, never showing any real emotion or regret for her actions. She only regretted losing power and control over Tawny. She didn't appear to see Tawny as a person entitled to love and respect, rather than a thing she wanted back in her possession. Once Tawny became aware of the video, she saw it as a grand romantic gesture. To the shock of her family and friends, she took Victoria back. Of course, Victoria didn't keep any of her promises. She flew into uncontrollable rages over unsubstantiated accusations of infidelity. Casey Baird would later state in an interview given to KSL News that he sensed a malignant jealousy and underlining insecurity in Vicky very early on. By contrast, his daughter remained confident, outgoing, and affectionate with friends and family, something that bothered Vicky from day one. It was also a trait she tried to bully and intimidate out of Tawny. According to Casey, men were always a looming and significant threat to Vicky. She was convinced that Tawny would go back to dating men. If a man so much as smiled at Tawny or made eye contact, it would set her off into a jealous rage that would immediately end the night. It got to the point where some friends no longer wanted to hang out with Tawny if that meant they had to include Vicky. One of Vicky's biggest insecurities surrounded Tawny's phone. Every call, text message, or DM would set her off into a spiral of degrading accusations. One friend she couldn't intimidate was Lacey Black. Lacey chose to ignore Vicky's short fuse and continued to be a friend to Tawny even through some of Vicky's most outrageous and embarrassing behavior. Until one night when Tawny, in a vulnerable moment, confessed to Lacey she believed that Vicky was going to kill her. Tawny was beginning to see she needed to leave the relationship, but she didn't see a way out. She also confessed to a family member she believed Vicky would kill her if she ever tried to leave. Tawny began trying to separate herself from Vicky, but when she did, it meant bruises and threats of death. So Tawny stayed in her abusive relationship in order to save her life, never knowing that was always how her relationship was going to end. On October 17, 2014, Lacey Black invited Tawny and Vicky to a party near Vicky's hometown of Agnan, Utah. Once they arrived, Tawny blossomed back into her outgoing self. She was catching up with old friends, laughing and smiling, drawing a crowd as she usually did. Vicky immediately began getting angry and feeling neglected. She didn't like that Tawny was giving anyone else attention. In the past, Tawny would avoid behaving in a way that would make Vicky angry, but that night was different. That night, she didn't care what made Vicky angry. She was continuing to exhibit confidence and independence, which was something that threatened Vicky. She was so angry by Tawny's lack of social submission, she locked herself in the bathroom. 
Of course, she expected Tawny to come to her immediately and apologize for talking to other people. Vicky waited and waited, but Tawny never came. She was no longer participating or following the usual toxic script. Vicky's manipulation tactics weren't working anymore. In a rage, Vicky grabbed Lacey and Tawny and demanded they leave. Neither of them wanted to leave. However, to avoid a bigger scene, they followed Vicky to the car. Vicky sat in an uncontrollable and furious silence until they dropped Lacey off at her house. What happened after that is only truly known to Vicky. However, she would call her friends and confess to having killed Tawny after a violent argument regarding another man. That friend, Aaron Murphy, recorded the phone call with Victoria and then called the police to report the murder. During the call, Vicky told him, quote, She's dead, yes. I actually killed someone. She was stressing me the fuck out. You don't understand. I went crazy, but I didn't mean to do it, you know? And then I realized after that I killed someone. Oh my gosh, guys. I'm so scared. You have no idea how scared I am. Hi, this is Daniel Rue the Real GM Radio Podcast. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering information with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Bet Online has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through the World Series. And don't forget, Bet Online is where you get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football right at your fingertips. Bet Online has real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. We're serious up betting on football. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. It's interesting to note she called Tawny someone rather than using her own name. Throughout the phone call, she was only worried about herself and what might happen to her future. She was never concerned about ending Tawny's future. Later, she told them she was going to jail for a long time and to tell people not to hate her. She told them again she was drunk and high and that she had to do it and didn't realize she was dead until she stopped moving. At one point in the call, she told them she thought that Tawny might still be alive. But when they suggested calling 911, she changed her mind and said that Tawny was definitely dead. After Victoria talked to her friends, she called her sister, Cynthia Spencer. She had pulled into a church parking lot where they attended as children in Ogden. Cynthia knew exactly where they were. Upon arrival, Cynthia called 911. When police arrived, they found Victoria calmly sitting in the driver's seat covered in blood. They asked if she was hurt, and she said that she was fine. In the passenger seat sat Tawny's lifeless body. It was a horrific and gruesome scene. Tawny was immediately pronounced dead. Now, once police arrived, Vicky had a much different story to tell. 
She told them that she was driving when Tawny all of a sudden slapped her across the face and began attacking her. To avoid an accident, she had pulled out her knife and stabbed Tawny in self-defense. The only problem with that story is that most of Tawny's injuries were to the right side of her body. Vicky couldn't reach that side of Tawny's face had she been driving when the attack began. To add further doubt to the story was the fact that Tawny was driving when they dropped off Lacey Black. That is when Vicky jumped into the passenger seat. It's more likely they got into a fight while Tawny was driving. Tawny pulled over, and that is when the forensic attack began. In all, Tawny had been stabbed 46 times. It was clear that Vicky was in an uncontrollable rage. Tawny had many defense injuries to her hands and forearms. There were injuries to her face, head, neck, chest, and ear. A majority of the stab wounds were to Tawny's face. Vicky was trying to erase and obliterate Tawny's beauty which was the source of her unending jealousy and insecurity. She wanted to make sure that if she couldn't have Tawny anymore, she didn't want anyone else to ever want her again either. To add to this senseless tragedy, none of Tawny's injuries were fatal. In fact, Tawny slowly died from shock and blood loss. If Vicky had called 911 right away instead of driving to a church parking lot in Ogden and making several phone calls, it's likely Tawny would have survived. But Vicky's concerns were never for Tawny, they were always for herself. At Vicky's preliminary hearing, she pled not guilty and was sticking with her self defense story. Even in court, she couldn't control her outburst and threatened to kill herself to make everyone else happy. She screamed that the Baird family was threatening her, making her feel bad, and were all against her, as if she was still expecting them to be on her side and still treating her like a second daughter. She told the judge that since Tawny's family helped to cover up the front tooth incident, that they were complicit in their own daughter's death. Eventually, after seeing the totality of evidence against her and on the advice of her counsel, she chose to plead guilty. However, she was extremely upset at the unkind words spoken at her sentencing hearing by Tawny's family. My daughter Tawny had her whole life ahead of her. Tawny was a beautiful girl with lots of wonderful aura. When she walked into a room, you could feel the love and see the wonderful personality in Tawny. Tawny had a lot of dreams, like being an actress, being in the music industry among a lot of others. As well. um, I understand that they're hurt and I'm hurt as well. I have no excuse for what I've done, you know. That's the main reason why I played guilty. Um, you know, I did knock out her tooth, but her family also covered it for Casey. But um, I really have nothing to say. I'm the wrong, you know, I'm the monster here, so. There's no just note for this. For the record, this is a, a case that is not a life without parole case up to the board when if she gets out. Um, a lot of things that could have been said, but the reality is no matter what happened, uh, Ms. Mendoza took somebody's life and she's pled guilty to that, so we're prepared for formal sentencing now.
During the victim impact statements, Victoria was outraged that Tawny's family were allowed to say such mean things to her. She found the entire ordeal to be unfair. Tawny's father, Casey Baird, was the most vocal. He said he didn't want her to get the death penalty because he wanted her to have the rest of her life to think about what she had done to his daughter. Every day, he wears a necklace around his neck with Tawny's ashes and told the court that's all he has left of his only child. He said his whole life has been crashed down around him and he wakes up every morning with anger. Tawny's aunt, Holly Hansen, asked the judge not to show any mercy or leniency to Vicky. She stated, quote, I have listened to my brother cry the most painful cry. That is something Vicky should have to hear. The pain is so deep, Your Honor. Please don't let her out. Jealousy is the devil. It will kill. It's Vicky's fault. She stabbed and killed her. Why should she get one free day to be with the trees in the sky when Tawny cannot? And with that, Judge Bean expressed his regrets that the law only allowed him to sentence Victoria to 16 years to life. He stated if he could have given her more, he would have. However, he did set her first parole hearing at 24 years out on October 1st, 2039. And for the family, they thought that this would be the last time that they would ever hear from Victoria Mendoza, but they were unfortunately wrong. Just six years later, Victoria became a viral TikTok star. In 2020, due to COVID protocols, the Utah State Prison suspended all visitors. However, they were allowed to have the prison version of FaceTime visits. They switched inmate visits with family and friends to the video link to allow visitations to continue. One of Victoria's friends recorded those visits and started a TikTok page for the convicted murderer, where she could share her dreams, music, and messages with fans. Yes, she had fans who were supporting her and thought her sentence was too harsh. When Casey Baird found out about the account, he was livid. He told the press, quote, I don't have a video phone to contact my daughter. Why should she have one in prison? There is no remorse at all. She just thinks that she's an internet sensation superstar, end quote. Once the Department of Corrections found out about the account, they immediately had the offensive account and all recordings removed from TikTok and YouTube. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic partner violence, there are resources available by calling the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 7233. The hotline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you are looking for resources on how to help someone you suspect is experiencing intimate partner violence, you can find those resources at RAIN.org. That's spelled R-A-I-N-N.org. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We will see you next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. Hold up. 
Hi, this is Daniel Roof, the Real GM Radio Podcast. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering information, up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns, everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series and through the World Series. Don't forget, Bet Online is where you have the latest game odds, present totals for the NFL and college football, plus real time updates on statistics, news, and odds, serious up betting on football. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. <laughs> 